All right, so we're talking about how do we get hungry, how do we experience Holy Spirit, and I'm presenting that our perspective needs to be Holy Spirit is a person, and he's the empowerment of our spirit, okay? Now, I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures that help us in our daily walk with Holy Spirit. We have to develop a relationship with God as Holy Spirit, and that means we, we practice responding to him. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day, the Feast of Tabernacles here, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, Jesus has been glorified. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's given us his Holy Spirit. God is, is in us. He's with us. Now, Jesus also uh, said this in, in John chapter 14. Uh, let me go to John 14. This, this he was speaking to his disciples. Uh, let me find. Uh, John 14, 16. He's talking to his disciples, and so it would apply to us as well, but he's talking to uh, the pronouns in Scripture. I'm always very adamant about saying, don't ever read your Bible as a, what to do or how to act book. Read your Bible as an inspiration to the voice of God in your heart. Now, Holy Spirit may take the exact words that you're reading in Scripture and speak to you, but Scripture is not your teacher. Holy Spirit is your teacher. Scripture is simply a witness to your teacher. That way you won't fall for any author. You should know Scripture so you don't fall for any author. You don't fall for any spirit. But you recognize Holy Spirit because the Scripture testifies this is true. But Holy Spirit is your teacher. Now, why is he the teacher and not Scripture? Because Scripture can inform you, but Holy Spirit is the only one who can transform you. Law can control you, but grace changes you. Law can contain you, law can restrain you, but grace radically transforms your desires. He changes your character. He changes who you are. He changes you from a self-seeker to a God-seeker. He changes you from being greedy to becoming generous. He changes you from being, being discouraged to being hopeful. He transforms your character, your nature, your way. So Holy Spirit is the, is the witness that's inside of us that teaches us. John writes about that in 1 John. We have this anointing in us. We don't need anyone to teach us. So I'm not really your teacher this morning. I'm teaching, but I'm not your teacher. Your teacher's inside of you. Uh, you're, you're probably going to take a few notes, and you won't remember the notes that, that you take. Uh, but those notes might inspire something in you that you will remember. And that is this, the voice of Holy Spirit speaking in you that brings some sort of an activation, some sort of a change in you. That's your teacher. He changes you by teaching you. You have the mind of Christ in you. 
So Jesus, in John 14, he says to his disciples, who had been with him, by the way, for three and a half years, he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Now the pronoun you here is the 12 disciples of Jesus. Okay? It can apply to us right now because it's the eternal word, it's the eternal God, it's an eternal truth. In the same way that he says to his disciples, I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to send you another helper. He sends us a helper. However, these disciples had known Jesus physically with them for three and a half years. We've never known Jesus physically with us for three and a half years. But we have more than what they had, and they ended up having more than what they had. And how they ended up with was this. The spirit of truth would come, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows him. Now, that's not meant to condemn or shame the world. That's meant to tell you something about the world. Don't shame sinners for sinning. They don't see it. They can't see it. So help them see what it looks like when born-again people live their lives so that they'll desire to be born again so they can see it. They can't receive what they can't see. So don't condemn them for being blind. Show them what sight looks like. <laughs> Show them what a love for God looks like. And a love for God will be demonstrated through a love for people. Don't hate sin more than you love God. <laughs> Jesus never hated sinners. He loved God. That automatically hates sin because it loves people. So he says to these boys, he says, the world can't see him. They don't know him. But you know him. You, my 12 disciples, you know him, for he dwells with you. How did he dwell with them? Jesus was in the room. You know him because he, you, he dwells with you. Uh, and he will be not only with you, but he'll be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. This is Jesus the Son talking. I will not leave you as orphans. So he's speaking as the Father. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, that's not just a coming event, what we call the second coming. That's a constant coming of Jesus in the form of Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes to us. He comes to us daily. He comes to us every time we allow him to come to us. And so the disciples then, after Jesus died, rose from the dead, poured out his Holy Spirit, well, walked into the room, breathed into them the Spirit, and then poured out his Holy Spirit. They knew him more intimately then than they did when they lived with him three and a half years on the earth. You could live with God in your room and not recognize him. But you cannot live with God in your heart and not recognize him. Uh, in your classrooms, in your workplaces, wherever you find yourself, you should be a testimony of God in the room. And people may not be able to see it, but you should be God with them. You are not God, but God is in you. So you should be God with them. You hear what I said? I didn't say you are God. I just said God lives in you. So you should know that you are God with them. But they can't see it. So don't condemn them for not being able to see it. Just continually be God with them. And invite them to come to the place where they will invite God into their lives. And then they will have God in them and God with them. Then they'll be able to see and they'll be able to walk 
as you and I walk. So we have to recognize that we have God in us, God with us. Now, the Holy Spirit's not merely a power. He's God, so we want a daily fellowship with him. We want this life to flow out of us. Now, Mark, in, in uh, Mark chapter 16, it's Jesus said this right before he ascended into heaven. He said this to his disciples that now had Holy Spirit in them. How do, how do I say they had Holy Spirit in them? Well, John chapter, I think it's John 20. After Jesus rises from the dead, he walks into the room where the disciples are hiding. Now, why are they hiding? They're hiding because they're afraid. Jesus was just crucified. They're afraid we might get crucified. <laughs> He's not with us. We're in trouble. He's not with us. They're, the Romans are after us. The Pharisees are after us. They killed the one that we confessed was Lord. The one that we confessed was Messiah. He's gone. He's dead. They killed him. How is this possible? We're afraid. So they don't know what the future holds and they're hiding in a room and Jesus walks through the wall. That should have bolstered a little faith. He walked through the wall. He came into the room and he said, peace to you. He said, peace. And then he said, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. He showed them his piercings. He showed them his tattoos. He showed them his love. I did this for you. Okay. So the invitation to Holy Spirit in your life is you know the love of God. He shows you his hands. He shows you his side. He shows you his piercings, his tattoos. He doesn't get his identity from his piercings. He doesn't get his identity from his tattoos because his piercings and his tattoos are your testimonies of death. He gives you identity from his piercings. He gives you identity from his tattoos. He's not like the world who's trying to, who's in an identity crisis, getting all kinds of tattoos and piercings to try to figure out who they are. No, he, and by the way, you know, I, I told Pastor Matt yesterday, when he picked me up, you know, you go through some suffering as a pastor. And I said, well, you know, those are tattoos and piercings. And so they don't give you identity, but they help you give identity to those that you're leading. So make sure you, you let your wounds, don't let them define you, but Understand that those are marks of love. So we go through stuff for the sake of others. So Jesus shows them his love. And then he says, he already said peace to you. Peace, shalom. You're not in trouble. God with you. Peace, God with you. Shalom, God with you. He walks into the room, walks through the wall where they're afraid. Wait, wait, he hasn't done that yet. He walks through the wall in the room. He shows him his hands. He shows him his sides. But before he says that, he says, Shalom, peace, prosperity, abundance. God with you. God with you. You're not in trouble. Don't be afraid. God with you. God with you. That's good news. But then he said, after he shows him his hands and his side, he says, he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I think something happened. I think they got born again in that moment. When he walked into the room, they were born again. He breathed on them. And the Holy Spirit brought life to the sap of their being. Holy Spirit brought life to their human spirit. And all of a sudden, the eyes of their hearts were open. 
to see something they couldn't see when he was alive with them for three and a half years. So in that moment, they see something now that empowers them to want more. Something happens inside of them. Holy Spirit quickens their spirit to want all that God has for them, to want everything that God has for them. And then in Luke chapter 24, I think it's verse 49, Jesus says, listen, go to Jerusalem and wait now. This is, this is after you know, 40 days of talking with them and doing stuff. We don't even know what happened in those 40 days. And then he says to him, he says, go wait in Jerusalem because not many days from now, I'm going to pour out the promise that I told you about. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be clothed in Holy Spirit. You're going to be clothed in power. You're going to wear the coat of Christ. You're going to wear the mantle. You're going to be a demonstration of the body of Christ. So go wait for the promise to come. Now, Holy Spirit's in them. But he's telling them there's something more than just Holy Spirit in you. There's Holy Spirit upon you. There's what's inside of you now being on the outside of you. Just like what was inside of me, speaking as Jesus, just like what was inside of me, Jesus, you watched as I walked through the land, as you were my disciples, you saw what was inside of me on the outside of me. You saw people get healed. You saw devils get cast out. You saw miracles happen. You saw the love of God exercised in a way that human lives were changed. Human lives were touched. People were fed the life of heaven. You saw heaven touching earth because what was inside of me was what I walked in. I walked in the clothing of Christ. And you understood that I'm, I was Lord. I was Christ. I'm the Messiah. You understood who I am. And I'm going to make it so that others will understand who you are. So he's saying, I'm going to clothe you with the Holy Spirit. So they went to Jerusalem and they waited. And they waited and, and they were praying. Now, why were they praying? What, what, we started out by saying, what will, will make me hungry for God? What will make God show up here in Clay Cross? What will make God show up in C4 Church and all that we are? Uh, you know, there's, there's lots, of, uh, lots of congregations, lots of things in the city, but I want to be part of my house. I want to be planted. I want God to show up in my house. I want God to show up in this room of the many-faceted house of God. And so how do we get God to show up? In Bulgaria, I, I've shared some testimonies with you. The presence of God is off the charts. Why? Because there's a group of people who are hungry for more because they testify to the witness of who's in them. So the more we realize who is in us, the more we'll want the one that's in us to be the evidence that we walk in, that we're clothed in. So Jesus tells them to go wait, or the Holy Spirit comes, and what's inside of them begins to manifest. Before I articulate that, let's look at a scripture in Mark. Promised it, Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. He, he's telling them he's about to go into heaven. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
So it says, these signs will follow those who believe. <laughs> now, the signs that follow those who believe are within them. So I believe that within every believer is the ability to cast out demons. Within every believer is the ability to speak with new tongues, or you can choose to speak with old tongues, and they get you in trouble almost every time. What, what am I saying? You need some mystery because when you recite your wounds, it only causes trouble. So you need some new tongues. You need, and by the way, new tongues is not just repeating the tongues that you've been praying in for 50 years. It's daily having something that is a, is a what is it come out of you. He gives you an outward testimony by hidden manna and a white stone. One of the overcoming promises is he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. I'll give you hidden manna. Manna means a what is it? There's something inside of you that's a what is it? Well, I don't know what it is. Well, if you knew what it is, it wouldn't be a what is it? You see, you need to, to thrive on a what is it inside of you. If you know what it is, then you'll figure it out, you'll do it, and you won't need God anymore because you know what it is. I, I want a daily, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to express this, what is it? I need this, what is it? Because that's the bread, that's the manna, that's the bread that changes my character, a what is it? And then I need, a, I need to receive a change in my character, a white stone, an unshakable, immovable testimony of love. I believe that stones are pretty stable, but I found that the, the rocks that make up the mountains of the world are pretty strong, but I found the rocks that make up the mountain of God are stronger. And the rocks that make up the mountains of the world, and even the little hills, are made of things that destroy. And so they become strongholds in your thinking. And you use them to destroy others. Like the old covenant, when someone breaks the law, you simply hurl rocks that kill to destroy the lawbreaker. But the stones that are the unshakable stones of the mountain of God are greater than the strongholds of the mountains of law. They're made of stones of love. I've discovered in 68 years on planet Earth, 50 years in knowing Christ that there's only one thing that cannot shake. And that's love. And I discover that more, the more I become a grandpa and an aging dad, uh, the more I've gone through some seasons of life, the more I understand that there's only one thing that cannot shake, and that is love. And I've also discovered that when love walks into the room, anything that can shake will shake. Because anything that's not love can't stand the test of love. When I see the world shaking, I'm not too concerned. I get quite excited, not because the world is shaking, because I'm looking for, well, what's causing it to shake? Something of the mountain of God is growing. Something of the mountain of God is growing. Uh, I, I referred to the Jesus Revolution movie in our first session here. I, I saw the movie, 
uh, just a couple of weeks ago at Pirate's Cove where the original water baptisms were from the Jesus Revolution. They baptized 4,400 people just a couple of weeks ago at Pirate's Cove. <laughs> That's pretty good. In the United States of America, California, Pirate's Cove, 4,400 people got water baptized. Something of the mountain of God is growing. <laughs> okay, so these signs follow those who believe. So within us are these things. I'm going to explain some of these a little bit. The Holy Spirit empowers us, number one, to cast out demons. Uh, but here's the deal. We cast them out. Okay, if you've never cast a demon out, I'm going to tell you, inside of you is the ability to cast a demon out. Now, the demonic is very real, but it's not as real as the heavenly. The heavenly is permanently eternal reality. The demonic is permanently in trouble. Now, I'll give you a testimony on the demonic. I have a very good friend of mine that um, uh, was casting out a demon the other day, and, and uh, uh, he his son had lost his life a number of years ago. And uh, uh, this guy, he was ministering to a young man, and the young man didn't know anything about this guy, never met him before, and he's delivering, he's casting a demon out of this guy. The demon was quite strong, and uh, it was like a couple hour session type thing. And two hours into the thing, the demon says to him, I killed your son and names his son's name. And did this. Okay? So I'm just telling you the reality of the spirit realm. Okay? But there's a stronger spirit realm than that. And you have the power of Christ in you to cast out devils. Okay? Now, how do you cast out devils? You decide to cast out devils. Now, I'll simply give you this. There's something that really works really well. Focus on the presence of Jesus and let Jesus drive them out. But don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to pray for somebody. Uh, like in our little preschool, we have a preschool. We have 90-some kids in there now. Many years ago, there was a little boy that his mother was a drug addict. His little brother was born addicted. Baby. And so his home life was pretty rough. And he was in the, in the school, and his face would contort. His face would twist. His voice would change. He'd manifest demonically. And one day I came down to the learning center. I was the pastor of the church at the time. Teachers asked me to come down because the little man was having an episode. And uh, I went to him, and, and I got down on my knees so I'd be his height. And I said, can I pray for you? And he went, no. And I said, okay, would you pray for me? Okay. Now, I put my hand behind him as he's attempting to pray for me. Now, I, I've just given this little demon-influenced boy permission to pray for me because he won't let me pray for him. I put my hand behind him. I know who's in me. I'm not saying any words, but I'm releasing the presence of Holy Spirit. And as I do that, he... And I said, that feels good, doesn't it? And he said, yes, in a normal voice. I said, that's Jesus. He loves you. Okay. Now, he, he changed. It wasn't a huge dramatic thing. It was just a... <laughs> it, 
It can be a huge dramatic thing, but it doesn't have to be. But you need to know you have the power of Christ in you to cast out demons. Now, the trick is you got to get what's inside of you out. When you get submerged in Holy Spirit, it's because what's inside of you fills up until you're submerged in it. Now, we often think of the baptism of Holy Spirit as a one-time experience in your life. We do the same with repentance. We think repentance is a one-time experience, salvation, one-time experience. Water baptism, a one-time experience. Holy Spirit baptism, a one-time experience. I'm going to propose to you that none of those things are a one-time experience. They're a way of life. So repentance is not a repentance from being evil. It's a repentance from being dead. It's a grant. It's a way of life. It's a repentance unto life. I've got some areas in my heart that are dead, but the more I go to Jesus on a daily basis, the more he grants me life where I didn't have life before. And my life changes. My desires change. I'm led by the Spirit of the Lord, a desire. My desire changes. It's a way of life. Repentance is a way of life. It's not a, it's not a way of remorse. It's a way of letting go of remorse. It's a way, it's a way of embracing the presence of Jesus to constantly bring life-giving change in your desires. It's not a what to, it's a want to. Okay? Water baptism speaks of my being submerged in the identity of Christ. It was a work that spoke of my faith. Shouldn't I have thousands and thousands of works that speak of my faith? Shouldn't I live my life by faith, demonstrating that I make sacrifices because here I am, I'm submerged in the body of Christ. I'm submerged in this family. I'm, I'm part of this. I do works. I make sacrifices. I think that even includes like, I'm going to make a sacrifice. I, I help the kids out. I, I, I help the single moms. I, 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 I lead some prayer. I do some practical things. I, I, I help feed the poor. I, I'm doing works that speak of my faith toward God. Isn't that the same as saying I've been submerged into the identity of Christ? Well, baptism of Holy Spirit. By the way, baptism is not a translated word. It's a transliterated word, which means they didn't want to translate it because nobody was being submerged in anything. So rather than translate it, we transliterate it so we can be religious and pretend we're doing what it says. Just like gospel is a transliterated word. It's not a translated word. If we had translated it, we would have said good news. But we wanted to tell you bad news and pretend it's good news, so we created a word called gospel. So we could tell you this is the gospel. And we could say, damn you, and it's the gospel. It's good news. No, that's not good news. What's good news? Good news would be, he loves you, be freed, come. He wants a relationship with you. But you, you're smart enough to know the difference between good news and bad news, but clergy laity made it so smart people, dumb people can exist. God didn't create that. That's, 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 that's Christianity created that. That's not Christ in humanity that created that. It's Christianity that created that. But God wanted Christ in humanity for you to know the really good news. The good news is not where you're going to go when you die. The good news is where you're going to live every day of your life, including when you die. 
The good news is a personal relationship with God as your father. Jesus as the son by the fellowship of the spirit. The good news is you've been redeemed. You've been reconciled. You're back in a relationship with where you belong. The good news is your sons and daughters of God being led by the spirit of life to bring life to your world. And it always ends in a greater glory. From glory to glory, he's changing you. Death has no power over you. Even in your final moment you transition to a greater glory isn't this good news you can finally bring life to your world <laughs> okay I, I, I recognize good news so baptism of the Holy Spirit baptism means to be submerged in okay to be submerged in is to walk in to, to be submerged in they walk in the identity so in this bottle this bottle this this is a bottle. <laughs> in this bottle is water. Okay. Now you know it's water. Well, you're assuming it's water because look, it squiggles, wiggles, splashes. You've experienced water before. If you'd never experienced water before, you would say, oh, what is that? Oh, that's interesting. What is that? Okay. But, but now if I took the lid off of this, see, you'd get a little nervous if I took the lid off of that because you know what's in there. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is getting what's inside of you to be all over on the outside of you. It doesn't magically come from heaven upon you. It comes upon you because what's in you overflows. What's in you, you get submerged in. You walk into in the identity of the one who lives in you. you you're clothed just like this jacket. It's the, it's the mantle of Christ inside of me becomes what I wear that others can see. Jesus didn't say, go and wait for the promise, because when the promise comes, you'll be witnesses for me. He said, no, wait for the promise, because when the promise comes, you'll be witnesses of me. There'll be enough evidence for them to kill you, because you're me. Enough people will be getting healed. Enough devils will be cast out. Enough, uh, enough strongholds will be broken. Enough sicknesses will be healed. Enough death will be destroyed by the power of life for them to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're clothed in Christ. What's inside of you is on the outside of you. <laughs> so God wants what's inside of you, the sap, to be the testimony of the fruit and the charisma that's on the outside of you, the fruit of your tree, the power of your tree, the testimony of your tree. What's inside of you? These signs will follow those who believe. Everything is inside of us, but we have to get out. Okay? So uh, how many of you have laid hands on the sick before? Have you laid hands on the sick? Raise your hands if you've laid hands on the sick. Okay? Now, good. How many of you saw people get healed when you laid hands on the sick? Okay? How many of you saw some people didn't get healed when you laid hands on them? Okay? Wonderful. Let's keep practicing. See, when we don't lay hands on somebody, they aren't going to get healed. Because they will lay hands on the sick. means if we don't lay hands on the sick, they won't be healed. Whose hands? Your hands. Why is your hand qualified? It's not qualified because of you. It's qualified because of the one who lives in you. You say, well, wait a minute. Scripture says if any sick, let's go bring them to the elders, and they'll anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and they will be healed. Let me tell you what I think that means. I think that means the reason they're elders 
is because they're mature enough in the Lord to know that the anointing of Christ heals and they know how to pray the prayer of faith. It doesn't mean the elders are the only ones who can heal. It means all believers should be able to lay hands on the sick and they get healed. They will recover. But you can trust the elders because they set an example of what that looks like. So if you're sick, go to the elders. They'll anoint you with oil, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, what, anoint, what oil are they anointing you with? Well, you can use some oil, but that's not the, the oil that he's really talking about. He's talking about the oil of the manifest presence of Christ. They'll anoint you with the manifest presence of Christ. They'll pray the prayer of faith, and you will be healed. They'll pray the prayer that comes by hearing God, and you will recover. So, but they're, they're, they're setting an example of what's inside of them coming out. These signs follow those who believe. They cast out devils. Pray for a few people. Expect some devils to come out. Pray. I welcome your, your presence. I'll, I'll give you a testimony. In, in November, I was in the Netherlands, and uh, I, I'm walking through an activation. I said, let's gather Three people in a group, three people all around the room. Everybody was teamed up in three. I said, I'm going to release the, the anointing of Holy Spirit in the form of what's called the cassia oil, which I believe is a present anointing. And the cassia oil was an ingredient in the old covenant anointing oil that would heal respiratory diseases like COVID, would heal uh, joints like relational connections, uh, would heal barrenness, uh, would heal uh, anxiety and stress, and also would serve as a laxative. You know, I think you need some laxative because I think sometimes we get spiritually constipated because we're stuck on stuff that happened in the past that no longer has any food value to us, and we hold on to it. And we need to be able to exercise letting it go. The cassia oil is a laxative and a healing. And so I'm talking about this and I'm praying that. And as we're praying in these little groups, uh, one group, they said, oh, Pastor Ted, this lady's having a hard time breathing. And I said, okay, all right, so let's just pray. So we went and I said, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We thank you. We just welcome you with your cassia oil. Just bring freedom. And all of a sudden, demons just boom, 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 start coming out. Yeah. She was a lady from Jamaica. She had come from a lot of stuff that was connected to voodoo stuff and a lot of spirit, spiritualism, and the demons simply came out. Uh, we had another lady that, that was hearing voices, and she wanted to meet with me and two of the other ladies. We, so I said, well, bring her to the house, and we'll pray. And so we're just sitting in the living room. She's sitting on the other side of the room in, in a couch. I'm sitting on this side. The other two ladies are there, and and I said, okay, yeah. I said, so you're hearing some, some, some voices and you'd like to get rid of them. She says, yeah. And I said, you know, she loves Jesus. And so I said, okay, well, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come. And boom, demons out. So, so just welcome the Holy Spirit. Expect some stuff to happen. Practice some things. Believe that inside of you is Christ. You will cast out demons. <laughs> I've seen them go easy. And a lady in Bulgaria, lady in Bulgaria, she was an unbeliever at the meeting. She's sitting in the, in the meeting, her and her boyfriend. I'm preaching. I can tell she doesn't want to be there. Her boyfriend doesn't want to be there. The good news is she's stuck in a crowd and can't leave. 
So she stuck. At the end of the meeting, I, I, I began to minister to people prophetically, and I called out her boyfriend and, and brought him forward, prophesied over him, and he had several demons come out of him. And then I looked at her, and she's going, ah, 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 ah. she's growling. And I tell the translator, I says, ask her to give me her hand. And they go to touch her, and I said, no, don't touch her. Just ask her to give me her hand. Ah, ah, ah. She lifts her hand like this. She can't get it up any higher than that. You know what that was? That was her will. She got her will up that high. And I reached out and took her hand, brought her forward. She went on the floor. She did moves a human cannot do. Her, her body went in like snake direction backwards, and 20 demons came out of her. You know how they came out of her? I went to her feet. I put my hand on her feet, and I said, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I pronounce mercy over her. Father, I thank you for this wonderful daughter of yours, and I bless her. I fill her, flood her, flood her, flood her, flood her. Twenty demons came out. Okay, when the last one came out, her eyes were like dark, no image in them. And when the last one came out, it was like light bulbs came on. Now, all I'm doing is focusing on let the presence of God come, let the presence of God come. Now, yours doesn't have to be that dynamic, but you know what? You could practice praying for people for the presence of God to come and just believe the presence of God will oust the things that are not supposed to be there. Okay? Simply part of life. Part of life is... There are spiritual trespassers that try to mess with human beings and they shouldn't be allowed to. But God has put it in all believers. It's inside of all believers to cast out demons, but you have to get what's inside of you out of you. For what purpose? To bring life to the world. Okay. Okay. Inside of you is the ability to speak in new tongues. But you only speak in new tongues if it comes outside of you. Now, how does it work? <laughs> It works because it's, it's not, it's your spirit that empowers your soul to respond and take some action. Okay, so I'm going to do an, an illustration. I practice this a lot, all day, seven days a week. The first thing I do when I get out of bed, I'm not even thinking with my head, okay? I'm not, uh, there's, a, there's a time when I need an interpretation of that. I'm going to get an interpretation sometime today. Okay. So I'm going to practice speaking in languages that I don't understand all day long because these signs follow those who believe they'll speak with new tongues. Why? I need some new tongues. Now, speaking in tongues did not exist in the Old Testament. Hmm. Healing did. Speaking in tongues did not exist in the Old Testament. Miracles did. Speaking in tongues did not exist in the Old Testament. But raising people from the dead did. So whenever God's presence comes into the room, people get raised from the dead. Miracles happen. Faith happens. Supernatural things happen. So in the Old Testament, supernatural things happened because God still showed up in the Old Testament. <laughs> okay. But in the New Testament, we have something that didn't exist in the Old Testament. 
Two things exist in the New Testament that didn't exist in the Old Testament. One is people speaking in tongues. Two is people getting freed from demons. Deliverance and tongues did not exist in the Old Testament. Must be pretty important. Must be pretty important to be something that I need in the New Testament that we didn't have in the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament, I was smart. I had a, I had a book. Or I had a human conscience. But if I was part of the covenant, I had a book. I had a law. I had instruction. I had a what to do and how to act. But I was lacking a personal relationship. I had a lot of information, but I didn't have the power of transformation. So my brain could think a lot, but my, my heart couldn't open up a lot. So, Holy Spirit, God made a way for something to happen in us that will transform our world in a huge way. <laughs> he made a way for us to be innocent to evil and wise to good. He made a way for us to be connected, attached to the very source of the one who makes our spirit holy. To be attached to the Holy Spirit, to give it some expression that is going to be uh, hugely important. Okay? When, I, when, when people speak bad of me, when people don't understand me and they speak about me in an, in a, in a, in an illegal or illegitimate way, a death-promoting way, they speak evil of me because of something they think is true about me or something they know is true about me. They say something that is either true naturally or they think it's true naturally. That's the book of Jude. They speak evil of sent ones. They speak evil of fellow believers because of something they know to be true naturally or they think it's true naturally. How many times have you heard people speak evil of someone in the church because of something they know to be true or they think is true naturally? Or maybe I should say, how many times last week did you hear somebody say something negative about a believer in Christ because of something they know to be true naturally or they think to be true naturally? Jude says when that happens, Jude, it's only one chapter, I think it's verse 21, he says, but you, when that happens, pray in the Spirit. Paul defines praying in the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 14 as praying in tongues, praying in a mystery language. You pray in a mystery language. It'll build your most holy faith. Now, faith doesn't come by praying in tongues. But praying in tongues enables you to come to faith. Faith comes by hearing God. But when you're listening with your soul and you're not listening with your spirit, then your soul is influenced by external forces, whether it be spirit or natural. Circumstances, forest fires, floods, cars crashing into you, traumatic experiences, words being spoken against you, things impacting those rings in your inner core. And so you need some life to come to your inner core so that you don't speak evil of them according to what you know to be true naturally or what you think to be true naturally. Don't do what they just did to you. You pray in the Spirit. It'll keep you stupid enough to be connected. I can't emphasize. It's the most resisted. Tongues is the most resisted. It's not resisted by the world. Well, people say you've got to be careful with tongues because people in the world will get offended and, and they won't understand it. Okay? 
Actually, 1 Corinthians is not really about that. I'm not going to go into the total depths of that, but I've never had anybody in the world have a problem speaking in tongues. Never have I had a sinner have a problem speaking in tongues when they hear me. The only people that have a problem speaking in tongues have been religious people. The only ones who have ever fought it is the church. I had a young man come to Christ because I spoke in tongues on a dock. I didn't realize he was there. I just rattled out. He was so curious. He came and hung around me, got born again. He said, he said, when I heard you, he says, I heard you on that dock. He says, and it made me so curious, I had to come and, and listen to you. And when I did, I came to Christ. Okay? So it didn't put him away. It made him curious. But when I speak in the tongues, the smart people get upset because I'm speaking in tongues. You shouldn't be speaking in tongues because nobody can understand you. By the way, five words of your human understanding, according to your opinion, is not really valuable. But five words of God's understanding is more valuable than tongues. But it would need to be God's understanding. So if nobody has any God's understanding yet, how about we all speak in tongues until somebody gets five words? <laughs> and by the way, when 1 Corinthians 14 was written, there was no building called the church that existed. There was a body called the church that existed. So, and the word in, in the Greek is the word en. It means with, toward, in, like this water is in the bottle. Okay. So, when I'm, when I'm toward, I like the word toward. When I'm towards you, it's better that I speak in words that you understand, but I'm speaking to your spirit, not your head. So, when I'm speaking towards you, It'd be better if I speak some words that you can understand. Prophecy. Okay? But when I'm not speaking towards you and we're saying, hey, we don't know what to do yet, but let's all be in agreement to speak to God, then it's better that I speak in a mystery so that he can speak to me, to my spirit, and give me understanding that I can speak to you. It's relational. It's not geographical. <laughs> it's not the building we're in. It's what's happening at the moment. Are we toward one another or are we toward him? And you can discern that by what kind of things are happening. See, we've created everything in a box. This is what happens at this time period. This is what happens at this time period. And, and we lose what's happening at the moment. <laughs> okay, I'm being, uh, uh, just a little instruction day. Yeah? We're here for a little seminar, so I'm, I'm being a little more than I might be in a public meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to express to you there's something inside of you that's essential to get outside of you. These signs follow those who believe. When I pray in a tongue, my head is unfruitful, but my spirit is active. When I speak in a tongue, it, build, it, it edifies me, it builds me up. Uh, sometimes you feel a burden. You feel uh, depressed or oppressed, or, or maybe like me, you're, somebody's on your heart and God's using you to pray for them, and you, you wake up in the middle of the night and it just doesn't feel right, and so you, you, you begin to you know, bless them, but then maybe you until it feels okay. Oh, Jesus, thank you. I lift them up to you right now. Whatever's going on, until I feel okay. That's 
taking what's inside of me, that's partnership with Holy Spirit to bring life. You don't know how many people you're freeing when you pray like that. Well, it's not good when you pray for others and you govern what they should do because you're not in their skin. But when you pray according to the will of God, and what is that? I don't need to know. I just need to know that the will of God is. And so I'm not, I don't need to know the will. They need to know the will. So, Father, I lift up, I lift up Jim. Oh, whatever's happening right now. Lift his foot from every snare. And I pray until I feel a release. I feel I pray until I feel a, a, a liberty. I pray until I know Holy Spirit has expressed enough to have an impact, something to happen. But to me, releasing that sign that's in me of tongues, it brings rest, it brings refreshing, it, it, it praises God, it magnifies God. These are all things Scripture says it does. It prays the perfect will of God. It, it, it speaks a, a mystery. I like mysteries. When, you know, if, if I knew what I was doing, I'd always end up the same way. <laughs> so I need it. It's like water. I can't live without it. It's like air. I can't breathe without it. He says, we take up serpents. He says, this sign, these signs are within those who believe. They'll take up serpents. Now, what does that mean? Now, some denominations actually have brought snakes into their churches. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. In the very beginning, the thing that got man in trouble was a serpent. What was a serpent? The serpent was a flesh manifestation of the devil that came to deceive Eve. Every one of us can be deceived. But there's a power within us. Holy Spirit is within us. These signs will follow those who believe. There's a power within us that can take up serpents, that can cause things that come to cause deception to flee. It literally, in the Greek language, it's like to lift the anchor of a ship and to make it set sail. So there's a sign inside of us, there's a power inside of us, the Holy Spirit, that's able to take up serpents, deceiving things, and, and make them set sail, lift their anchor out and set sail. That's inside of me. I want that outside of me. They'll, they'll take deadly things, and by no means will they harm them. Okay? Uh, in the world that I live in, I could be fearful of deadly things. There's all kinds of deadly things. Deadly things spiritually, deadly things emotionally, deadly things physically. I go to countries where I drive through, <laughs> Lots of places of deadly things. So when am I going to be a, afraid of deadly things or realize there's a power inside of me that no deadly thing can harm me? Now, a deadly thing might kill me, but it can't harm me. Now, it's no guarantee that I'm not going to die. It's a guarantee I can't be killed. I can't die. So if I even physically died, I wouldn't die. I'd still be alive, but ultimately I, I want to be able to walk in places that I'm supernaturally protected because of the one who's in me. Yeah? So these signs follow those who believe. It's a, it's a mystery of our relationship with Holy Spirit. Now, one last, we're all about out of time, but one last little thing. That I'll give you an activation that you can do this week. Um, we practice a relationship with Holy Spirit. We hear Him from the inside out. You don't hear Holy Spirit from the outside in. When you're reading your scripture, 
Scripture is something that's been expressed of God, so it's logos. It, it's something that has been expressed. It includes the thought, the intent, the reasoning, and the motive of the expressor. So Scripture is something that was inspired by Holy Spirit. Men wrote in a time of information for the Old Testament, in a time of birthing the new and closing the old in the New Testament. Scripture was written that's a witness to the voice of God. It's not the voice of God, it's a witness to the voice of God. It's a testimony of God in people's lives at the time that it was written, at the time that it's being talked about. But it's still the living word, it's sharp, and it can pierce right through us when we look at it. And then it pierces through our soul, Hebrews 4.12, pierces through our soul, it divides asunder like a sword. It doesn't hack, it pierces, it divides asunder. It divides asunder. It pierces through the soul into the spirit. So when you're reading a scripture, let's say you're, let's say Holy Spirit is leading you through a process of forgiveness. And you are being diligent to read scripture because you want to expose yourself to something that has been expressed of God so that you can hear God in your heart concerning this healing you need in the area of forgiveness. So you're reading the scripture and you come across this the story or these verses concerning forgiveness, and it's really sharp. It pierces right through your soul, right through your outer core into your spirit. And as you're reading it, your spirit leaps. Your spirit says, yes, revelation happens. Whoa, something inside of you happens as you're reading. In other words, it's not the page that's teaching you. It's what's on the page that's sharp enough to pierce through where you hear God through your soul into your spirit, through the bone into the marrow, through the thought into the discernment. And what happens is the spirit leaps into the soul, the marrow leaps into the bone, the discernment leaps into the thought. Now, who taught you? Scripture didn't teach you when that happened. Holy Spirit spoke to you. So the purpose of Scripture is it's sharp enough to pierce through where you hear from the inside out. Now, when you hear God, your soul hears your spirit. Last night you were asleep. Holy Spirit was resting, but he wasn't asleep. According to Romans 8, Holy Spirit was interceding all night long on your behalf. And right now, Holy Spirit's interceding. Just like Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding. Now, Holy Spirit's intercession is a little different than ours because we tend to think intercession involves words only. Holy Spirit knows the intercession means you take what's in heaven. Intercession is this. You put one foot on earth, you put one foot in heaven, and you draw everything from heaven into your earthly foot. You fill the gap. You flood the the dry place with life. So Holy Spirit is 100% in heaven, but also in you, drawing what's in heaven into your spirit. Drawing what's in heaven into your spirit. Drawing what's in heaven into your spirit. So while you were sleeping last night, Holy Spirit was drawing what's in heaven into your spirit. Right now, Holy Spirit is drawing what's in heaven into your spirit. Now, somehow you got to get what's in your spirit into your soul. 
Holy Spirit's interceding. Jesus is interceding. He's saying everything that's the Father's, He's bringing to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in our lives. He's 100% in heaven, but He's also in our lives. He's God. He can do that. <laughs> and so He's in our lives. And in, metaphorically, it's like He's got a foot in heaven. He's got a foot in you. And He's drawing everything that's heaven into you. Somehow you got to get what's in your spirit into your soul. We make a mistake when we try to hear God with our souls. Don't hear God with your souls. Hear your spirit with your souls. Because your spirit's already heard God. Okay? If you try to hear God with your soul, then what's going to happen is it won't manifest the fruit of the spirit. It'll manifest as condemnation. It'll manifest as manipulation. It'll manifest as control. It'll manifest as discipline of the flesh. It's only when your spirit speaks to your soul that it manifests as faith. It manifests as life. It manifests as release. That's why Jesus and Holy Spirit both say, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He doesn't say, he who has an ear to hear, struggle, strive, wrestle, get miserable. No, let him hear. So when you hear God, it sounds like you from the inside out. Now, why does it sound like you? Because it is you. But what part of you? It's your spirit speaking to your soul because your spirit has already heard the Spirit of God. There's a weird part of you. It's called the Spirit of you. The Spirit of you is shaped like you, but it's not contained in you. It goes beyond you. Your soul is the shape of you. It's the inner core of you. Your body is the shape of you. Three dimensions. I got to get the spirit dimension of me that's not limited to me. It's also joined in the dimension of spirit, connected to Holy Spirit. So my human spirit is becoming holy because it's joined to Holy Spirit. Now, I practice being joined to Holy Spirit. I worship God. I read my word. I consider creation. I meditate on the person God. I invite the person God. I willingly have a conversation with him. I listen for him. I'm listening. What's springing up inside of me? So activation. God, what is one thing you want me to know about you today? That's a question you could ask. What's one thing? Just take a moment here. Close your eyes a moment. God, we're asking you right now, Holy Spirit, what's one thing you want us to know about you today? Would you give us a word or a phrase right now? Now just listen, look, sense. You're either going to hear a word, a phrase, or you're going to see a picture, or you're going to sense a feeling. And when you have something, just keep your eyes closed, but lift your hand when you have something. When you, when you hear something, Okay, I have something, you have something, okay? You have something. When you think you have something, you hear anything, okay? All right, good. All right. All right. Okay, now, let me do it. Let me just do a survey of, the, of almost everybody raised their hands. So let, let's ask, 
is anybody brave enough you feel you can share what you heard? Okay? He's a dove. Okay. okay, so he wants you to know he's a dove. Okay. All right. All right. Did you Okay. All right. What? Okay, good. Did you hear anything? Sense anything? Okay. Complete forgiveness. Okay. How about you? Okay. Oh, very good. Awesome. How about, did you? Anything? Anything? No? Okay. Matt? Okay. Did you hear anything? Sense anything? Okay. Majesty? Peace. Okay. Okay. Bread of life? Green. Green. Okay. I heard, I'm hope. Which is a good word for me because I'm in some situations right now where I've been interceding and I've been believing for that in the situation. And he just told me, that's the word I want you to have today is I'm hope. So, now, when you hear something, it sounds like you. The second thing you hear is, that can't be him, that's too much, that's me making that up. Okay? When you simply go to God and you just listen from the inside out, you, you almost always hear God. Now, you may not understand what that means. You may have the words precisely, but you don't know what that means. Be free. You may have those words, but you don't really know what that means yet. Or, I am hope. Okay, I understand those words, but maybe I don't really understand what that means yet. That's a process of time, of relationship. He gives me uh, interpretation. He gives me application. But all I need is a beginning, just a little revelation. Believe those revelations. He loves me. I'm good enough. Yes, that's true. Then believe that. Then take that. When you sense it's God, Speak it out loud. Kind of make an exercise of this week. Every day, just say, what do you want me to know today? Or what do you want me to hear today? And when you hear it, then say it out loud and see how it makes you feel. Now, if it makes you, if it brings, like, it, it kind of makes a little smile, or you, you almost don't dare say it, but when you say it, it feels like life, that's God. When it, when it brings a release in your heart, your heart doesn't condemn you. Faith happens. Peace happens. You feel this life inside of you. It comes from the inside out. When you feel that, then say, okay, I receive that. Then practice that. Walk that out. Uh, say it back to yourself a few times in the day and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. You will be surprised what happens. Because what happens is now you're entertaining a relationship with the person, Holy Spirit, and you're, you're, you're responding to him. You're responding. You're valuing what he said. And it's going to grow in you. And you're going to find that if you practice that, it's going to release what's inside of you more and more. Okay? Look for opportunities to put your hands on a sick person. Don't copy anybody else. Just be you. Look for opportunities to, to just simply pray for somebody who, uh, you know, you don't have to say, I'm going to cast a demon out, but just, just extend your life that's in you to somebody and let something happen. Look for opportunities to express a new language, a new, a new thought, a new tongue. Look for opportunities to, to recognize, discern a spirit and, and know that you have 
the authority to make it lift its anchor and set sail. <laughs> and speak some words. It's a partnership. God is the word, but you are the voice. If he's the paint, you're the painting. If he's the words, you're the poem. If he's the, the lines, you're the story. If he's the notes, you're the song. You're an expression of him as a son or a daughter of God. But you have to partner with him. God doesn't just come and do it. He does it in you and through you. Practice responding to him, hungering for him. In Bulgaria, I told you we have a move of the Spirit. But we also in Bulgaria had a time we had six years. We had 60 people showing up for prayer every morning before they went to work. Now, it didn't seem fruitful in that season. And I know this church has had a season where you prayed every day. And, you know, and those seasons change. Praying doesn't stop. It changes in different ways. But you know what? When you invest like that, after a while, you start reaping a harvest because of that. It might even be years. But all of a sudden, things start happening because you presented yourself hungry to respond to the person, Holy Spirit, and to see something come. Amen? So I hope you got something out of this today and encourage you to walk in a relationship with Holy Spirit and stir up your hunger for Him and realize that everything is already inside of you. you just got to practice letting it out. Live a lifestyle of being submerged in Him. Amen?